Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Everyone good this morning? Is it okay if I just be myself this morning? Yeah? I found, I found that God works better when we just quit trying to be someone. Do you know that? God works through people. God has his way through people. God speaks through people. And if we're trying to be someone or something that we're not, or we've got some kind of aspiration to appear a certain way to others, it's like we actually get in our own way and we get in his way. And uh, there's, there's a lot of truth in Hebrews chapter 4 where it says, when we cease from our own works, it gives him room to go to work. So I'm going to do my best to do that. I'm going to do my best to get out of my own way and let Jesus have some space. Uh, I, I always speak to the Lord. Uh, if I'm speaking somewhere, and I, I just speak occasionally now, um, I always ask the Lord and spend some time. So uh, I, I sat down the other day, and uh, my family have just moved home. So we've moved down to a place called Burgess Hill, moved out of London, and we're in the leafy suburbs of some little place down south. And I actually like peace and quiet. I'm like a, I'm a peace and quiet guy. I'm like a country boy at heart. So I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I come back into London and it's like the district line's down. There's a breakdown break on the A3. There's a half marathon. I'm like, so I've got to go here and here and here and here and here and here to get to church. I'm like, praise God for Burgess Hill. I can walk from one end to the other in 20 minutes. <laughs> but, but as you know, like moving, moving home is a busy thing. And uh, God is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's a miracle worker. He's a light in the darkness. But you know something? God is a great friend. God's a great friend. So I, I, I sit down with him and I say, Lord, I'm speaking on Sunday. What do you want me to say? And Because uh, I've been so busy. Anyone get busy here sometimes? You know what you should be doing. You know where your priorities should be, but you get busy doing all sorts of other stuff. And so I say, oh, Lord, I'm speaking. at." Uh, he says, my darling son. Oh, that's nice. He says, it's good to speak with you again. How funny is it that life suddenly takes a turn and you ditch these moments for other things? I'm like, uh-oh. And then he goes, he goes, no pressure, son. But remember that it's my voice that becomes the pathway that your feet walk upon. How about that? It's my voice that becomes the pathway that your feet walk upon. My words are the bridge to your bright future. A future built on surety and not supposition. I'll, I will hold you up, son, and my words will be the bulwark, bulwark against all that the world might throw at you. So I looked up this word surety, and a future built on surety, not supposition. Surety, a guarantee, a promise, 
a pledge, an assurance. It means freedom from care. Let that one drop. A life built on surety, not supposition. Freedom from care. Freedom from danger, safety, security. It means stability and a state of peace. It means confidence, certitude. It means one who makes himself responsible for another. My daddy is responsible for my future. And his voice is the pathway that I walk on. It's so important that we hear his voice. And you know, I'm not talking about hearing a preacher. I'm talking about his voice speaking to our heart. I'm talking about my darling son. Supposition, on the other hand, means uh, a belief held without proof or certain knowledge, an assumption. An assumption. And, and I think that the times we hold a belief, it's not necessarily without proof. But we've not got certain knowledge of it because certain knowledge doesn't come just by knowing about. It comes from his speaking within us. You know, there's, there's a big difference between God's speaking. And you've got to hear me right here, okay? Just hear me right. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There's a big difference between God speaking here, this thing, and God speaking here. And, and this book, you know, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Just remember that faith doesn't come by the Word of God. I'm saying, listen, listen, hear me right. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. It's the hearing that becomes the pathway the man who builds his house on a rock is the man who hears and does what he says. You know, the guy built on the sand, is he heard, but didn't do. And so I just want to encourage you today to, um, to really open your heart to the voice of Jesus. And I want to talk, to, I want to talk really from the perspective of Jesus as a, a very, very real friend. A very real friend to us. I love this. He said, the ear of the church, speaking of you guys, is toward me, leaning in to hear what I have to say. That's a really strong commendation of the heart of this, this house. I, I have something that I want to share, I'm so desperate to, to somehow communicate something that's really 
beginning to change my life in a profound way. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm really kind of digging into my heart saying, God, help me to communicate this in a way that translates from what's happening in here to what goes in here when you hear like, like that prayer, Lord, that, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying because it's not something that's necessarily easy to communicate. It's not something that I find easy to communicate because it's kind of brand new to me. And uh, just let's begin by turning to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. So let's turn there. It's funny, I so want to do justice to what the Holy Ghost wants to say. I feel really nervous. It says here, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray that God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want, what I want to bring out this morning, I want to you know, this idea of being a three-part being, okay? So we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. You know, there's a distinct, the, the, the Bible does distinguish between these three. We've got the, the, the pneuma, the spirit, the suke, the soul. I'm pretty sure that's probably not how you say it, but, um, and the soma, which is the body. I am a spirit. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Mind, will, emotions, affections, aversions, and you live in a body. We've got this temporary uh, kind of tent that we live in until such a time as we get given a, a new one. What I want to talk about is our soul. It means the seat of our feelings, our desires, our affections, and our aversions. It's the seat of our emotions, our soul. For many years, and I'm sure that this would be true for quite a number of people here, um, I was so focused on my spirit life and woefully neglected my soul. I, in fact, in fact the, 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 even the prevailing teaching was you don't take any notice of your feelings. You know, it's not about feeling, it's all about faith. Yeah, has anyone kind of been there? You kind of just, you know, I feel this, but I deny it. Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to confess the word. I, 
you know, maybe I'll pray some more, maybe I'll fast some more. Let me let you into a secret. You are a complete person. You are a whole person. Now, we might use some of these distinctions to help us understand the workings of our humanity. We might use these distinctions to help us to grow as people and to understand where certain things, how certain things work so we can operate more effectively. But you are not this splintered individual. And, and you cannot neglect one area of your being and fully operate in the other areas. If you neglect your body, guess what? Your spirit's going to have a hard time properly functioning. If you neglect your soul, if you neglect your emotional life, the life of your mind and all of those things your spirit's going to have a hard time fully finding expression because there's going to be things that block its pathway to actually reach out and connect with the world. I've met a lot of preachers who are the most onerous people on the planet. They're spiritual giants, and it's like their emotional life is some stunted little boy performing for the circus. I've been there. And the funny thing is, actually, the root of some of the ways that we act out is actually in the brokenness of our soul. We look to be satisfied. There's this thing in our, in our, in our soul, in our feelings, in, you know, that, that is, is seeking affirmation or seeking satisfaction, seeking something and you know, some people get it in, they get into ministry and suddenly they find, oh, oh, that makes me feel good. I feel important. I feel wanted. I feel special or into a relationship or whatever it may be. And, and, and the, the, the way that, uh, kind of God brought me round to begin to look at this more, um, in more depth in my own life, there, there are a couple of things really, but uh, my dad died last year, and uh, my dad and I, it wasn't that we didn't see eye to eye, but there wasn't a great deal of deep heart-to-heart communication. He was like, like many men. He was a pretty closed book emotionally. And, uh, you know, I guess throughout my life I was uh, looking for the kind of affirmation that a father can give, but... You know, I'd get into church life and I'd be looking for it from the pastor or whatever, whatever authority figures were placed before me. It was, it was, it was an, unhealthy, an, an unhealthy route in my own soul that was looking for something from them that they could never give. I tell you, I'm trying to be real. And, and, and what I found is that, uh, what I've noticed as I've observed my own life is that there are so many different things that people look to to satisfy and fill their emotional bucket. It's like an emotional bucket that we have on the inside and, and we're, we're going to fill it somewhere. 
It's like, Emmanuel, recognize me. Recognize me. Recognize me. Or, or, or you know, oh, I'm in the pulpit. You know, and, and I'm feeling special now. I'm feeling recognized. I'm feeling significant. I'm feeling important. And my emotional bucket is filling up. Yeah? And, and we can look for it in so many different things. But, but, the, but what God showed me, because I actually noticed this. I thought, man, it's like, it's like a little door opens for us um, in, in whatever it may be. It might be success in business. It might be in a relationship. It might be in some kind of uh, generally a relational transaction of some time. And, you know, a little drop of affirmation comes and suddenly we're like, a, you know, a Dyson super sucker, you know, the, the 700 pound Hoover. And, and it's like we get a little drop and suddenly it's like, <laughs> and, and we want to fill this bucket, you know, and I noticed it even in my own marriage. I noticed like, man, I'm trying to get something from Lana that... Yeah, honestly, man, I'm like, a, I'm like a desert sucking in the rain cloud. And I sat down as I do. Like I say, Jermaine, Jesus and I are good friends. And I said, what is that thing? Why, why, do I, why am I like that? And I know I'm not the only one. And he took me to this, the woman at the well. And uh, in John chapter 4, and uh, I, I love this story. I love this story. And uh, let's uh, turn to John chapter 4, and uh, verse 5, we'll start at verse 5. And Jesus comes to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was weary with his journey, and he sat on the well it was about the sixth hour, so it was about noon. It was midday. Okay, it was it was the heat of the day. It was hot. You know, people don't come out to collect their water in the heat of the day. But nevertheless, here is sitting, and then a woman of Samaria comes to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." And she said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, it's my, but you know, we find out later on a little bit more about this woman. But it's my kind of uh, supposition. We were talking about supposition. It's my uh, understanding that, you know, because this was not the typical time of day that you would go out to fill your water vessels, that this lady wasn't coming out with the rest of the brood of women. She was rejected. She was ostracized. She felt very much alone and she would come out when there was no one else there. And even here, you know, Jesus begins to interact with her and she's like, man, why are you talking to me? Don't you understand that I'm kind of not, you're not supposed to talk to someone like me? And uh, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that say to you, give me a drink, you would have asked of him 
and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us, gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. And then we get a little insight here. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come back, come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In this you said truly. And, and the Holy Ghost pointed out to me, he said, you know, this, this emotional drain that you want to put on people, this requirement of your heart for this bucket to be filled. I mean, see, the thing is, there's a lot of legitimate needs of the heart. You are not just a spirit. And hear me, hear me. You do not just need Jesus. Or he would have put you on an island somewhere. There are le legitimate needs of our soul that are equally as important and equally as valid as the needs of our spirit. And one of the biggest mistakes that I made in my in my development and my progress is this neglecting the emotional area of my life and giving no attention to the emotion, my emotional wholeness as a man, as a person. Not recognizing, I guess, number one, the validity of those needs and desires and longings and also um, not in not giving them a proper attention not understanding that they are at work anyways. That they are affecting all of my relationships. They are affecting all of my transactions. They are affecting all of my pursuits in ministry and all of these other things that we might put our hand to. All of that stuff on the inside is still at work and still affecting everything you think and do and say and feel. And sometimes we don't want to look at it because, man, it's a mess. It's, it's, the, it's the little boy whose dad never really sat down with him and filled his emotional bucket. It's the little girl who longed for her mother's affirmation, but mum just wasn't there for her. Or it's the, the teacher who rejected the great work that you did and didn't recognize it. I realize that this is not kind of, it's not just easy to communicate. And I don't want to get all psychological, okay? I don't want to get all kind of 
bogged down in the weeds, like, oh, I'm drowning. I'm such a mess. But what I want, what I want to encourage is that, that you come to the well. You know, the woman wasn't coming. When she, when she said, give me this water, You know, the well that she was going to was marriage, after marriage, after marriage, after marriage. I have a deep thirst in my soul. And I believe that a man can fill that thirst. And when the man didn't fill the hole or the man ran off because he's like, man, what is this that I've married? She's on to the next one. (laughs) And so when she says, give me this water, she's not saying, man, I'm kind of thirsty. Could you just put a tap in my apartment? She's saying, I've got a thirst on the inside that I have desperately been trying to find some relief from, and I am so broken. I've gone so far as to even live with a man in sin. Now, we're not talking 21st century London. First century Samaria, you, can, you, you better believe, mate, she was going out when no one else was there. The poor woman was so full of shame, so broken, so utterly despised that she couldn't even, she didn't even have a friend to go out with. She wouldn't go out in the early morning when it was cool. And she says, give me this water. And that's what I started saying. When I felt that, you know, like, you know, I might come into a, um, a, a, a church like this, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, and I, you know, you might start feeling, all right, you know, will, will the pastor say hello or, you know, will, will something, you know, I don't know what kind of interactions you look for, you know, whatever it may be. But when I begin, I began to notice those like little kind of things in my heart that were reaching out for someone to satisfy something in me that I knew, man, it's my emotional bucket that I'm trying to fill here you know, and I'm not trying to fill it in the right way. Jesus, give me this water. Give me this water. Give me this water. Because the thing is, uh, life has a tendency to take this lovely emotional bucket that we begin with as a baby that's satisfied on the breast of our mother in the arms of our father. And, you know, or hopefully that's the way. My, my wife's wasn't. Lana's, Lana's emotional bucket was... Didn't have mum to look after her. Didn't have dad. She was even told by her grandparents, oh... Dad is too important to come and spend time with you. And so, so oftentimes, I mean, it'd be okay if it were like this, but more often than not, just through things that happen, 
we end up looking a bit more like this, I guess. And we're going through life like this. Fill my bucket. Fill my bucket. Please fill my bucket. Please fill my bucket. Please fill my bucket. Please. Please. I want to be important. I want to be noticed. I want to be understood. I want to be recognized. Please fill my bucket. Please recognize me. Please understand me. And because we, because this, I mean, who wants to feel like that? Who wants to see this? Who wants to look at themselves and see this? And so we, we maybe put it behind there, or we, we kind of, maybe we could hide it behind ministry. Maybe I could become a really important minister. Maybe I could have a big congregation. And or, or, or maybe I could be a great businessman. My iPad and my laptop and, you know, my wallet, wherever it is. Maybe, maybe I could fill my, my bucket with money. Maybe that will satisfy me or felt a bit odd getting on the train with a bucket (laughs) and a hammer I honestly I thought I thought someone was going to pull the Pull the emergency like that. There's a nutter on the train. There's one of those terrorist dudes, man. Yeah. It's okay, I'm a church minister. Even worse, it's a religious nutter, you know. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And you know, when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, he didn't say, I'm going to fill your bucket. Come every day and I'll fill your bucket. Because he understood (laughs) that, you know, you you can't really fill that. 
you can keep pouring in and like, and you know, and sometimes I know in the past I've tried to fill this bucket with experiences, spiritual experiences, you know, early nineties outpouring and different things. You, you keep coming and like, fill my bucket, fill my bucket. Come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come down, come down in our midst. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But Jesus has actually got something better than that. He said, this is going to be like a well, like a fountain within you, springing up to everlasting life. I'm not coming to the waters to drink. I've got the waters springing up within me. Give me this water. Give me this water so I don't have to come here again and again and again and again. So I don't have to keep going through the same motions and the same cycles and going around the same mountains in my heart and my thinking. Lord, give me this water. Like a fountain within my heart springing up to everlasting life. Psalm 23 says he leads us by still waters and that he restores our soul. I really want to encourage you, Jim, and I I always believe in, you know, that there are practical applications to what we teach And I realize that this is not a subject that's often tackled. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. I know it wasn't tackled very often in my journey. You know, in, t- in fact, sometimes it was frowned upon. You start talking about your emotional life and all of that kind of stuff. And it was like, hmm, give me the spirit thing. You know, what, what are you talking about? But I found as I get older... And as I've got older, that unresolved issues will always find expression at some point in the journey. Yeah. Where the Father has not been given access, Where we've not come to the well and said, Jesus, give me this water. Come fill this gaping hole in my heart. Come fill this need for whatever it may be. Significance, understanding, affirmation, affection, success. And I just want the Father to change my perspective so dramatically, so radically come in and transform the way I approach life so I'm no longer reaching out to something outside of myself to satisfy that which resides within me. But I understand that there is an indwelling presence that is like a fountain springing up on the inside that can continually turn my desert soul into an oasis 
And then from that place of overflow, we can begin to actually reach out to others. And I found there's only been so far that I can reach in my brokenness. And I'm not talking brokenness in the right sense. You know, there are, there are lots of terminologies we use in Christianity that, you know, we can get a bit mixed up about. You know, the brokenness that God is looking for is where we come and we say, give me this water. I recognize my own inadequacy to fulfill this need in my heart. I recognize not that I don't deny my need for affection. I don't deny my need for significance. I don't deny my desire to be understood, to be recognized, to be known. But Lord, I'm not going to try and get it from everyone else and everywhere else. See, I always felt inadequate with my dad because I was kind of an arty type and he was a northern builder. I just felt so poncy, <laughs> so like weak and pathetic. Now, it's not necessarily how he saw me. It's more about how I saw myself. And, you know, and I was looking for some kind of affirmation there. And then I thought, well, if I, if I can really succeed in business, then my emotional bucket will be filled. But guess what? You know, or if I, if, I, if I succeed in ministry, well, my wife and I planted three or four churches. We did okay. Oh, still empty. Like the woman coming day after day. It would get filled, and then I'd be back, and it'd be like, oh, man, I'm thirsty. And I would go, and I would get filled, and then I'd come back, and I was thirsty. And, and the same, you know, business. I, I've got a great business running now. Man, it's like, oh, wow, what a surprise. I'm actually quite good at this. And, and, you know, but you know something? Empty bucket. Sometimes what you think you want, when you get it. My daughter's an elite gymnast. She's got more gold medals. She's got so many gold medals. It's like, it's like Solomon, where you would pile up the silver. She's got like this big bottom drawer, you know, 55 medals. Ah, oh, we'll just chuck them in. You know, what are you pursuing? What are you chasing? I really, just let's be real with each other today. Let's strip off the pretense and just like get, get down and dirty. <laughs> Heat of the day type stuff. Like, God, I'm thirsty for this. Give me this water. Give me this water. And I, I wanted, if it's okay, to open up uh, the altar today. That, you know, if what I've shared, and I, I just feel so, as though so I shared it so inadequately, honestly. I just feel like, oh God, just in my speaking, speak. But, you know, if you know that you've, you're coming or you're, you're pursuing different things, and it's not that any of those things are wrong. Do you know I mean, don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't hear me wrong. But you know that you're asking something of 
whether it be business, whether it be your marriage or your relationship or your desire for a relationship or your bit or, or uh, I don't know. I mean, there are so many things. Some people pursue education as if just having more knowledge is going to help them or ministry. We think if we finally get in that pulpit or we do the worship leading at that church, somehow we've made it and, you know, we stand there and we feel just as empty standing on that stage as we did on the little stage in our cell group. Because we've never actually come and really made ourselves vulnerable and said, Father, oh God. Now, my dad died, yeah? And I had to begin to look because he was not there for me to fill the bucket anymore. He never did fill it emotionally, never did. I mean, bless his heart, he tried it, but I wouldn't even let him to. It was like, I want it, and as soon as he, uh, whatever he tried to do, I would withhold because there was so much unforgiveness in my heart. Unforgiveness can really block the fountain on the inside I'm telling you fear can really block the fountain on the inside I say what, what are some of the things that are blocking the fountain from springing up on the inside and watering this desert of our soul Lord what are some of the things one of the things surprisingly he said is this, like in, in some people's hearts there's a, a fear of terror there's like a fear of the future that somehow the future is terribly insecure, something to be feared. And so it prevents you from really stepping out boldly and confidently because it's, there's, a, there's a holding back on the inside. Inevitably, there's going to be people like the woman here at the well who are looking at relationships as a pool that they can come and drink from. And like I say, it's not necessarily that those feelings and desires are inappropriate or wrong, but it's just that, the, that, that, that they're somehow rooted and entangled with other things, that God wants to just untangle that. As some guys here, you think, man, if only I could, if I do this or be this, then, the if then, I want to tell you, if then, certainly my experience is, you know, I've been in the if, I've come to the then and I'm like the other side of it and I'm like, what? Give me a break. And what I'm realizing is it's right now. It's right now. Jesus is here right now. And if you want to come and just drink at the well, you stand up and you come and you stand here this morning and we'll see where the Holy Spirit leads us. Yeah? Just come up. wants to bring us to complete wholeness. He wants us to come...
Yeah, just come as a whole person. And that, that's, that's the thing that I guess I've been discovering. I've been discovering that I'm a whole person. I'm not just a spirit, not just a body, I'm not just a soul. I am. I am me. I am David. You know, boots and all, warts and all, emotions and all, <laughs> questions and all, the whole package. I'm not, I, you know, you, you get me, you get the whole package. And God's like, man, I've been waiting for so long for this. I've been waiting for so long where you would quit coming as uh, someone or something other than what you are. I want you to come as just with everything, everything that you are, with not trying We're not trying. We're not trying. We're really doing it. (laughs) Father, we come this morning to the well. Just see yourself coming to that well and see Jesus. See Jesus. And he's there offering the same thing that he offered to this this woman who came. He said, give me a drink. And she said, you know, well, how are you going to get water? You've got nothing to draw with. And he said, you know, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. That's going to spring up on the inside of you. And I want, in Jesus' name, my prayer today is that we unlock something on the inside. Unlock a spring. Dislodge things that stand in the way of that living water flowing and bringing saturation and satisfaction. Not just to your inner man, not just to your spirit man, but to your soul. That it's going to spill over into your emotions we believe you've really enjoyed this message for further information visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any sunday 